Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back. Let's go to the phones. Mr. Zelinsky, are you there? Hello, Mr. Zelinsky, are you there? I am there. Can you hear me? I can. You know, I last week I kind of started drifting off of being super nice to you, and I, I kind of fell back into it today, and I don't know. I, I just, would say that was the best one I've ever had today. That was a pretty dang good intro. I know, but now you have to live up to it. I'm here. I'm here for you. I'm ready. All right. So what are we going to talk about today? I mean, it's that time of the year where so much is going on. Serious, Terry. You know, ICAS just wrapped up, so I uh, I decided to stay home this year because I had so much going on here. I had uh, some pretty unbelievable events this week, so I was helping out kind of behind the scenes on some events, but helped us to launch some of the stuff behind the scenes at ICAS. Uh, obviously, we're in full swing for a big game, uh, you know, because again, even though uh, I know it seems like summer and we had kind of a, a slow intro to summer, I mean, big game is literally for as far as the pronghorn season, we are one month away uh, today. So, I mean, you think of it that way, we're in full-blown hunting seasons. I mean, we're at the point where you can actually scout the buck that you're going to hunt on the pronghorn side with archery coming up. So, uh, we're in full swing on the hunting side. Uh, and then obviously we have some tremendous fishing, but I kind of was going to swing more on the fishing side today. I want to talk about this particular technique that I had a lot of questions about, but uh, Terry, it's wide open. We can really talk about anything that uh, people want to talk about or here. Well, I think we will go to that technique, but let me set the stage for it a little bit. Um, we had a different summer. I, I've been saying that every year for the last five years. I don't know why I, I think there's a common or a normal one anymore, but um, I was talking to some people, the bait fish, actually hatched pretty late this year. We're talking mostly shad. And the water stayed cooler. We had high water. We had a lot of water inflow into the lakes, which I think delayed some of that bait fish uh, hatch, spread the fish out. And we were seeing more of a bait bite, which sounds contrary, but when the bait fish aren't there, live bait or bait bites or jigs or reaction baits in shallow tend to be really effective in spring until the bait hatch and you get these schools of bait fish but once you get those schools of bait fish and they're late this year but once they start the fish really are attracted to that and there's some techniques that can really dial you in am i hitting the nail on the head absolutely you know and terry it's crazy because uh, i mean traditionally speaking again not that anything's ever the same but traditionally speaking we stick with the bait until our shad hatch the shad move off to the, to the main you know body of the water and they're suspended and that brings the walleye to a suspended bite, and you lose that structure bite with jigs and bait. And we look at options of casting or trolling. Now, with that said, our bait fish are just now starting to move out to the water column, but we still have a ton of fish on structure. So I'm not necessarily saying that you have to do this right now. I think if you go out with your traditional bait and your jigs, you're still going to catch fish probably for the next 10 days, two weeks. Um, which is late for that bite, which is exciting to see, though, because it's very conducive to any angler catching fish. However, I've been, you know, last couple weeks I kind of mentioned that there's a trolling bite. We've been doing a lot of stuff on our Facebook page mentioning a trolling bite, and I had a lot of people asking about that. They said, hey, you keep talking trolling. (laughs) You know, we went out there, we tried to troll, we didn't have any success, and we fell back to, you know, the live bait rigs, the slow death, the crawler harnesses, all that stuff. 
Um, so basically what's happening is we get a major separation of fish in Colorado. Um, and, and it's one of those things that's more of a Western basin, almost in anywhere. Um, we get a major separation of our younger fish to our mature fish. And this is both males and females, but especially on the female side of the walleye. And we see that those bigger, more mature fish literally suspending immediately after the spawn. So when these fish wrap up spawn in April, you see your immature fish, you know, sitting on structure. That's where we have those 50, 100 fish days, um, you know, and occasionally you catch a big fish, but for the most part, those bigger fish stay suspended. Now, that bite is always existing, and not a lot of anglers target those fish. Now, particularly this year at Chatfield, we have so much water, and we flooded so many bushes and trees and shrubs and weeds, it's really conducive for a trolling bite. So whether you're at Cherry Creek looking for big fish or you're looking for fish that have now moved off to chase the shad, you're at Chatfield over flooded trees, over timber, or on the fish that are activating on bait fish. You're at Pueblo, Boyd. Excuse me. No matter where you're at, more than likely there is a suspended bite. Not saying that it's the only bite, but there's definitely a suspended bite. So I wanted to walk everybody through kind of what's going through like my head when I approach that bite and or the little tips I think that will drastically help people uh, catch fish in that presentation. All right, let's go through it. Because, you know, it is, and people sometimes think you just throw a lure behind the boat and start dragging it around, but it's actually very precise techniques. Go ahead. Very much. So, number one, we're going to start off talking about a technique as far as how do we select the right lure. The, the water temperature, time of year, but really more so water temperature, is 100% going to dictate the action and the style of lure that we're going to use. And that's probably one of the biggest mis- misconceptions, especially as you're somewhat new to trolling, right? So, so many anglers will go out to, you know, your chapter of Cherry Creek, and they'll use their electronics like they should, and they'll see those walleyes, you know, 12, 13, 14 feet below the surface, and then they open up their box and they say, okay, what do I got that'll dive that deep? And that's not necessarily the wrong mindset, but the problem is you might have the wrong action lure. So number one, you select the right action lure. So when that water is in that, you know, 60 to to low 70 degree mark, you're really looking for a shad profile bait. So what we talk about with that is, a little bit shorter, a little bit taller bait. So you're not using a stick bait, a long slender bait like we use all spring and late in the fall. We're not quite to that August time frame where we're looking for like crazy, crazy high action. We're looking for a shad profile, kind of that moderate action bait. So it's going to be, you know, fairly long, but it's going to be a little thicker and you're going to have a lot of tail wobble. To kind of, you know, emphasize what I'm looking at, we're looking at baits like flicker shads, like shad wraps. So that's the action you're looking for. The the joint of the bait to where the bait's going to really move from is closer to the head. It's not head and tail wobble. It's a lot of tail wobble, a nice thicker bait, uh, and that bait's going to dive to a variety of depths. But right now, you go to either of these fisheries, I'm almost exclusively using shad wraps, or excuse me, using flicker shads, but the shad wraps are going to work really well uh, in that same particular bite. The big difference, the traditional shad wrap is going to be a balsa wood bait. Uh, Rapala also makes a glass one, but the acrylic baits on the flicker shad side are going to have more rattle, so they're just going to do a little better job of, of creating a little bit more reactionary bite, creating some noise, drawing some fish in, um, and you're going to catch those fish. So right now we're using those flicker shads, but long story short, 
if you're using that shad profile bait, that's your number one kind of goal um, to start off with today. So once you know that you're, hey, I got the right bait, then it's going down to present it to these fish. So then you're going to get out there on your boat, and you're going to really get a good idea of where they are in the water column, whether they're, you know, six feet down, 10 feet down, 12 feet down. Um, you're going to cruise around your boat, and you're going to try to get an estimate at the level of the water that they're sitting on. And then your next goal is to get that bait as close as possible to those fish without going below them. Now, if you take anything from this whole show, that was the key concept. Get close, but not below. I think one of the biggest mistakes that anglers do, especially when they're fishing a crankbait, is they drop their baits below the fish. A walleye is more susceptible to come up in the water column five, six feet, rather than go down five, six inches. They're almost exclusively feeding up. So when I see these fish on the graph, let's just say that my average walleye is 12 foot below the surface. I'm going to set my bait 11 and 11 and a half feet below the surface, putting that bait six inches to a foot above the walleye, right in their zone that they can see, right in the zone that it's easy for them to take the bait, um, and then I'm going to catch that fish. Then the other concept here is how fast do you troll. We always tell people, if you have no idea, you don't have somebody to ask, you're just going out on a whim, we always say colder water is colder speed, so slower speed. Warmer water, <coughs> warmer speed or faster speed. So in the, the retrospective things, when that water's 40 degrees, we're at one mile an hour. When our water's as hot as it can possibly get in the mid-70s, you know, 76, 77, we're at like, Two, two and a quarter to, to two and a half miles an hour. You know, right now we're right at that like 70, 72 mark. Um, so we're pulling those baits about 1.9 to two miles an hour. So generally speaking, cold water, slower speed, warm water, warmer speed. Right now we're hovering around that two mile an hour mark uh, and we're catching fish. With speed, your concept is always going to be to cover water but not make the fish work too hard. So again, the faster you go, the more water you cover, the more fish you put a bait in front of, the better odds of catching a fish. But if you go too fast, some of those fish just do not have the energy or aren't willing to exert the energy, and you're not going to catch them. So those are the key concepts. Now, as I walk you through that, that is literally the list of importance. The number one, hands down, is the action of the bait. That's number one crucial. The depth that you're fishing it, second biggest choice on there the third thing talking about speed again that's going to be your third priority now what the biggest misconception other than depth is is everybody thinks that color is the primary key i tell you what terry if you are in the zone with the right action bait you know somewhat going the right speed you're going to catch these fish on a wide variety of colors. So color is actually my last choice. When I get out there, if I'm going to go out there today, tomorrow, I'm going to try to catch some walleye, the biggest thing I'll do is I'll utilize my second rod stamp. I'm going to use the concept of changing things up. I'm going to put on two different baits that have a lot of colors on them. As they start hitting one of those baits, I'll look at the individual colors on those baits, and then I'll start kind of mimicking that. So if I have a fire tiger on there, I'll say, okay, he hit the fire tiger. Do they want the green or do they want the chartreuse or do they want the red? And I'll kind of break it down from there. My general rule uh, of thumb on color, colder water, brighter colors, warmer water, more natural colors. So I will say that I tend to be more on the natural side. So metallic, 
you know, shiny blues versus a, a baby bright blue, uh, a shiny red versus a really vibrant, you know, duller red, uh, and so forth. But generally speaking, you're going to catch them on a wide array of colors if you have that. The last tip that I'm going to say, our walleyes tend to get spooked of the boat right around that 10-foot zone. So if your walleyes are within the top 10 feet of the water column, we're utilizing planer boards when we're trolling. So if they're in the top portion of the water column, I'm going to put a planer board on. I know the lakes get busy on these types of summer weekends. Don't think that you have to let them out hundreds of feet to where you're, you know, worried about, you know, recreation traffic hitting your planer board. You can kick on a planer board and kick it out 15, 20 feet to the side, and you're going to, again, still catch those fish. You're just trying to avoid directly under the boat. As long as those fish are deeper than 10 feet below your boat, you can long line those fish, letting your bait straight out behind the boat, uh, and you can create those success. But that's the the quick 10-minute kind of verse on how to utilize crankbait fishing right now on the front range. And I tell you, if you've been doing the live bait thing and you've caught hundreds and hundreds of fish and no giant fish or not enough keeper fish, the technique we just talked about, that is how you're going to produce those upper 20-inch fish, those 30-inch fish, or even just those 19-inch fish that you can take home to eat. So, uh, again, I think it's one of the techniques It's going now for sure. As we proceed to the fall, it's going to become more and more prevalent uh, in a technique that you should probably start getting some confidence in because it's going to catch you a lot of walleyes right now. Now, first of all, you don't do anything in 10 minutes, but But second of all, I want to kind of, we've only got a minute or two left, but I want to hit on something. Picking out the right bait, not the bait that dives was so critical because, because it's the action of the bait. Then you got to figure out how you get it down there, whether it'll naturally dive or whether you have to use lead core or snap weights or some other means to get it down there. I think where people, and we've only got a minute or two left, are going to struggle the most. They understand picking out the lure now, and they understand staying the speed. But most fishermen, you know, I'm surprised by how many accomplished fishermen really have a tough time knowing how deep their lure is. Absolutely, Terry. So you have two concepts here. Um, You have a, a very modern approach, and you have a very old school approach. So let's just say... We're talking to the modern angler. So you're, you're out there, you're cutting edge, you have all the stuff. You can get an app on your phone uh, called the Precision Trolling App. It's the Troller's Bible. So there's literally an app. You can even probably get online and still find a, a hard copy. They don't make them anymore. But if you're good online, you'll be able to find a hard copy of the old Precision Trolling book. But you can literally go to the app or the book, find your bait, uh, it's going to be built on 10-pound mono, but you can find your bait, and it will tell you if you want to get the bait down, example, 10 feet, let out 85 feet of line. So the modern angler can have a line counter reel and then look at, a, at the app or the book, find their bait. It'll tell them how far to let out. You let that out on your line counter, and bam, you're in the zone. Now, old school. You don't want to spend money. You're new to the technique. You're just setting your ways. you got the flip phone, whatever the case may be. What I do is I, I measure from my reel to my first guide, and this is how I did it growing up. So I literally will go out on a lake, and I'll find my fish. So I see my fish on the grass. They're 10 feet down. I'm then going to pull over to the swim beach. I'm going to pull over to a shore. I'm going to go to a long stretch of shore. I'm going to put my boat in 10 feet of water, so 10 feet to the bottom. I am then going to measure. So I'm going to grab the line at the reel. I'm going to pull it out to my first guide, and that's one path. 
I'm going to do it again. Two passes, three passes. I'm going to do that until I start nicking bottom on the grass. So when I start hitting the bottom, I feel the bait hitting bottom. I'll say, okay, I did 42 pulls from my reel to my first guide. Reel everything up, go back to your fish, do that same thing. Do 42, 43 pulls, boom, you're in the spot. So whether you are using a spinning rod, no app, there's ways to figure out your depth. Or you're that modern angler using the app and a line counter, there's no excuse. Anybody can do it. It's affordable if you need it to be. Uh, but getting that bait in the zone is hands down the most important thing that you can do. All right, my friend, we are way out of time. So we will let you go, and we will talk to you next week. Tightline Outdoors, you got lots of things coming up. I'm sure people need to check you on Facebook and online. That's it. we got a huge event Wednesday. We'll see you guys there. All right. Thanks, Nate. Nate Polinski. We're going to take a time out. we come back. We're going to change things up a little bit and maybe do some outdoor cooking. And then later on in the hour, Chad Lachance is going to give us a report from ICAST. All that and more coming up on Terry Wixom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan.